0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of True Crime Time. Happy Easter and Passover to those of you who celebrate. I'm Megan. Um, my crazy cats are present and ready to disrupt my recording. Uh, a few quick things. Don't forget to follow True Crime Time on Instagram. That's True Crime Time, no spaces. And that is step number one, and important to my second announcement, which is we're doing our first raffle. We have a copy of Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and a cool mug that I'm probably also getting myself that says, I like to party, and by party, I mean watch true crime documentaries, because that's what we do. Um, Both of those will go to one lucky winner. For your name to be submitted into the raffle, you have to do just a few things. I didn't want to make it really, like, complex. Um... One is make sure you like the True Crime Time Instagram page. That's why I mentioned that a minute ago. Two, share the post that corresponds to this episode on your own page. The post will be clearly marked with these same instructions, so you guys will know for sure which post to share. Uh, And three, tag True Crime Time in the post on your page so we can track those who have done it. Um, And boom, you're entered into the raffle. I will put everyone's name on a piece of paper. And into a jar, and I will post by video um, the drawing, so you know I'm not cheating, which why would I do that, and announce the winner on Monday, May 6th, to give people plenty of time to enter. Um, next up, this is my last episode before my sister's wedding, which I have mentioned in the last several episodes, and you guys, I just plain did not have time to put together a big case like I wanted to for you. Um, so here's what this episode is about. Um, if you follow the True Crime Time and obviously listen to the past episodes, I keep telling you to send in your stories. Um, well, this episode is all about you guys and your stories today. In the future, they will be sprinkled in here and there um, in episodes as we go. But what, what, uh, what better way? can talk. Again, um, to kick off the close to home stories, then to do a whole episode full of them. Um, so real quick, see on the other side of this commercial with some of your stories. Alrighty, So our first story is from Katie, who is actually one of my friends from high school. Um, she moved to Virginia from Long Island. That's where I'm from. If you guys recall, um, that's in New York And was, for all intents and purposes, a local um, when they actually discovered evidence for lack of a better term, I just don't want to give anything away um, for the case she sent me. For the record, um, just before we dive in, I am reading these, how you guys send them in, in your own words. Um, So let's get to it. Katie says, on December 5th, 2015, 19-year-old Caitlin Michelle Akins, Akins, I hope I'm saying that right, went missing in Virginia. She'd been living in Arizona with her girlfriend, Amber, and attending cosmetology school. She was in Virginia visiting her mom. On December 5th, Caitlin's mom, Lisa Sullivan, dropped her off at her ex-husband's house in Spotsylvania, Virginia. James Branton, the ex, was still friends with Lisa and agreed to drive Caitlin to Reagan uh, Airport to fly back to Arizona. Reagan is about a 45-minute to an hour drive from Spotsylvania. Though James wasn't Caitlin's dad, he was the only father figure she'd known. Uh, He works at a local naval base. Uh, It says Caitlin told Branton that even though her flight wasn't until 5 p.m., she wanted to be dropped off at the Springfield Mall to kill time before her flight. She was going to take the metro from the mall to the airport. Uh, at 11 56 AM, Caitlin messaged Amber that something came up and I'm not coming back today. I'll let you know when I get a new flight, I won't be able to text for a bit. Later, Lisa asked Branton if he'd taken Caitlin to the airport at 11 52 PM, uh, Branton texted Lisa that he dropped Caitlin off at the Springfield Metro station. Caitlin texted her mom eight minutes later that she was at the airport, but her battery was dying. A little over five hours later, around 7.15 p.m., Lisa got two texts from Caitlyn's phone that uh, said, I'm staying with a friend and I need some time alone. Lisa said that those two texts were very out of character and so was being dropped off to take the metro, which Caitlin hadn't ridden since she was a child. Uh, Lisa texted Caitlyn. And asked her to call saying she was worried but she never got a response yikes um, it turns out Caitlin never made it to the mall the texts were sent from her phone near I-95 in Stafford County just north of Spotsylvania County her phone never made it further north than Stafford um, never anywhere near the mall or the airport two days later Caitlin's luggage was found in a drainage ditch in Fredericksburg VA just a few miles from Branton's home her ID glasses and wallet not ID glasses just so you guys know her ID and glasses I said that weird um, and wallet were inside Um, but not her high school diploma or clothes it looked like someone threw the luggage from a moving car Uh, detectives began to question Branton who initially cooperated but his timeline didn't line up with Caitlin's cell tower data Branton then stopped cooperating and refused to take a polygraph or turn over the password to his encrypted cell phone. Um, They searched his home and took guns, guns and DNA, but couldn't find anything linking him to Caitlin's disappearance. News agencies have tried to speak to him, but he's never cooperated. They've never found a body. Um, Caitlin's mom doesn't think Caitlin disappeared on her own, but Caitlin did send a Facebook message to a friend saying she didn't want to be in either Virginia or Arizona. That's interesting. I wonder when she sent that. Um, while Caitlin's mom still hopes she's out there, Spotsylvania um, detectives are treating it as an open homicide case. Given that Caitlin was constantly talking to and texting her friends, then just abruptly stopped and vanished. Sadly, they think it's likely that she met with foul play. I mean, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me, right? But that's so weird, especially if the dad or the stepdad or whoever was like, I dropped her off at the airport, but she never got there. I mean, come on. Um, Katie, my friend, also included a few articles about this case. So there is information out there. Um, There's a timeline and stuff. So if you guys are interested, please check it out. And of course, if this is something that happened close to you and or you know something about it, please reach out to your local authorities. Um, Yikes. Okay. Our next close to home is from Ray from Long Island. Here it is. My cousin is in prison serving a life sentence for murder. Okay, just getting right into it Um, his name is Glenn Harrison But growing up we called him Poochie Poochie? Okay I don't really know much about his past I know he was born and raised in Virginia And at some point my Aunt Judy moved back Into my grandmother's house in NYC That's New York City for you people out there Who don't know Um, when I was young I never knew Glenn's dad All I know is my family treated him like Voldemort and never talked about him because he was a career criminal, scary as hell, and fucking bad shit crazy. Yikes. Uh, growing up with Glenn was a hell of an experience to say the least. He was always getting into trouble for all kinds of shit. He would pee in our grandmother's fish tank, one. Try to flush her yellow rubber gloves down the toilet, harass her cat all the time, and would constantly steal people's belongings because he got a kick out of watching how pissed they'd get when they couldn't find what they were looking for. He even set himself on fire, wow, okay, playing with a box of matches in the bathroom. Uh, I shit you not, he legit had a ton of scars and burn marks all over his upper body. Fun childhood, right? As I got older, Judy and her family moved away, and I only sporadically saw Glenn over the years. By the time we were teenagers, he had turned to a life of crime and spent a lot of his life in and out of jail. His rap sheet covered everything from drug dealing to burglary, gang violence, and assault. He was even convicted of making terroristic threats. It was because of all of this our family cut him off and he roamed around with no place to call home. Grandma was different though and would take him in no matter how bad of an egg he was. Now one would think he would be grateful to the woman who was the heart of the family and raised all of us right This motherfucker decided to stage a robbery at her apartment. He tried to make it look like it wasn't him by ransacking the place, spray painting graffiti on the walls, and stole everything of value. That really sucks. Um, We all knew it was him because no one in the history of living in those apartments ever had a break-in. So Glenn moves into her house, then suddenly her apartment is burglarized, and he up and disappears after it happens. Pretty open shut case if you ask me. I mean, yeah, that sounds about right. That's me, Megan, not the writer. That's just my two cents. Um, And the same thing applies to the murder he was convicted of. Unfortunately, uh, there isn't really a lot of info on it. I can only tell you what I learned from family and insider details not known to the public. Around 2006, he was working as a grave digger um, out in Virginia Beach when, when he met a nurse named Angela Spain. The story I remember going around about how they got together was he did time with her um, daughter's father, and when he got out of prison, he sought her out. Well, that sounds like a freaking terrible idea, said Megan. Again, as not to confuse you with what Ray is saying. Jeez. Okay. They started dating, which eventually led to him moving in. Not long after that happened, she found out he was back to his old habits of burglarizing homes and and decided to end the relationship and throw him out. He left, but continued to contact her over the next several months, begging for another chance. One night in 2007, he broke into her house while she was in the shower and told her to give him money. Cat, sorry. Um, Naked and in the bathtub, she freaked out and an argument ensued which escalated into a brutal attack and eventually the poor woman being killed. Now remember when I said I had some insider information. Here's what I can recall. Angela's hands and forearms were severely wounded. Um just time out super quick you guys. I have to kind of gloss over this part because it's pretty brutal and it's just really upsetting. So let's just say she had severe defensive wounds. Um, the autopsy report showed she died due to, be, due to being strangled, drowned, beaten, and stabbed. There's also video of surveillance. Wow, why can't I talk today? Surveillance, at an ATM showing Poochie's stupid ass trying to use her debit card after he killed her. Forensics discovered a partial bloody palm print at the crime scene. Um, what Glenn's lawyer didn't want released to the public at that time was the fact he tried to clean up the scene using bleach. And that partial print was found right next to Angela's body, along with a bloody shoe imprint that police matched to a pair of size 15 sneakers that they had found in the trash not far from her house. Um, I remember growing up, he was a big guy at 6'3", and always had to order custom-made sneakers. He was sentenced to life in prison, plus 25 years. Last I heard, he changed his name to Schaefer? Harrison? I'm not sure how to say that. And it says he never killed Angela, despite all of the evidence suggesting otherwise. Uh, Growing up in the projects in NYC, or New York City, I'm no stranger to violence and crime. Up until my cousin did what he did to our grandmother, he always struck me as a typical thug looking for an easy way to make fast money. I would have never thought he was capable of murder. Holy crap, you guys. That was intense. Um... Thanks for sharing that story. I'm sure it couldn't have been easy to talk about. But, wow. Um, I think we're just going to do one more today. But that one more is actually three short stories. And they're of the paranormal type. These are from Lou. He's also from Long Island. You can find him at the underscore Luniverse on Instagram. That's T-H-E underscore L-O-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-E I'm going to call Lou a freelance consultant of this podcast which he just does out of the goddamn kindness of his heart because I can't pay him. Maybe one day. Um, he's got his own podcast about anxiety, which basically we all have at this point um, of existence. And he writes, he has a lot of material um, all kind of art stuff happening, so go check him out. And here we go. Um, Lou writes, when my dad was five years old, his dad died. He was the youngest and remembers his dad the least of all his siblings. On several occasions after his dad died, there were instances where he and his brothers and sister believed they were undoubtedly visited by their dead father. Cool. i into it. Let's go. Story one. My dad's older brother shared a room growing up. The room was small, as they were poor, so there was a doorway into the room and a bed on each side of the room separated by a dresser. The dresser was supposedly wedged in between the two beds at the far end of the room. One night my dad's two brothers started to fight, they began getting into it pretty hard when all of a sudden the dresser flipped over, end over end a few times, landing upside down on the side of the room, surprising the shit out of the two of them and stopping the fight to a halt. Holy shit. Um, Both of them knew they did not hit into the dresser and even if they did it was too wedged to just slide and definitely too heavy to flip over once let alone several times and land upside down. Um, When they inspected the dresser it had fingernail marks in it. Oh my god. So creepy. Um, On either side as is a large man Oh, as if. Yep. A large man had grabbed it and tossed it across the room. My grandfather, I'm told, used to have thick fingernails. So thick he was able to cut cardboard open with them. Yikes. So they were certain his ghost had interrupted their fight. Yeah, I buy it. I'm in. Um, Story two. When my dad was a teenager, he used to hang out in Cypress Hill Cemetery in Brooklyn. The same cemetery his dad was buried in. He and other teenagers hung out there at night or after hours when they weren't supposed to. And the groundskeeper used to chase them out. On this night, the groundskeeper decided to shoot at them with a 22 rifle. Wow. Using salt bullets. Basically, a salt bullet won't do a lot of damage to your body, but it burns like hell and I guess stops the trespassers from coming back? I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me, but it sounds like it freaking hurts, right? Um, either way, I'm sure it sucks. Yes, agree. Anyway, he began shooting at them, and they began to run. He was zeroing in on my dad and fired dead on, and just as my dad was about to be hit by the bullet, he tripped. When he looked up, he saw his father's name, which is my name. Ooh. I'm not sharing that for your privacy, just in case. Um, apparently he tripped right onto his own father's grave and avoided getting shot. I think that's, that's my favorite so far. I really like that. Um, story three, my dad's mother was also into tarot cards and black magic and the Ouija board. Okay. So everything. She had a three legged or legged table that she did her black magic on. One time, a friend of my dad's mother was pregnant, so she wanted my dad's mom to help her figure out what the sex of the baby was before it was born. Or maybe she wanted my dad's mom to help use black magic to make the baby a certain sex. Oh, interesting, okay. Either way, my dad's mom did not want to intervene because she was afraid that doing this would harm the unborn baby, but the friend insisted, and they began asking the Ouija board questions about the baby. Each time they asked the board... Um, spelled out the words don't ask. They did this several times. Then finally the board spelled out the word deformed. Oh my god. Creepy whispers for me, sorry. A few months later, her friend gave birth to a severely mentally and physically deformed baby. Oh no. Despite her doctors telling her the baby was healthy. Well, That's a bummer. Yikes. I mean those were great thanks for sending them to me um I love stories like that I mean not about deformed babies because that's terrible but just paranormal in general I think we're all interested in stuff like that um we actually have some stories in my family like that too again not about the deformed baby but that's just sticking in my head since that was the last story that I read um maybe sometime I can get my people to write them down and I can tell them to you guys so keep sending me your stories, guys. We have some interesting ones today. I have some other ones ready to go for the future. I feel like I should probably start an email just for that. That's probably a good idea. But for now, you can still send them via direct message on the True Crime Time Instagram page, which again is True Crime Time, all overcase, no spaces. The raffle is open. Start sharing for your chance to win. I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and that rad mug I mentioned earlier, there's pictures on the True Crime Time page, too, so you can see what you would be getting, um, I mentioned earlier, yep, I said that, great, um, so until next time, lock your doors and windows, people!